Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of 1 Corinthians. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. For more teachings, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. You may also contact Pastor John by email at thewayministries001 at gmail.com. Antichrist. It definitely is. Believers should not buy into this at all. I don't buy into it, that's for sure. I'm not as scared of some little bug of a great mighty God. I'm scared of him. What he can do. You know, and if he's if he's allowing this, he's doing it for a purpose. His will will be done. Amen. Amen. All right. It's good to see everybody. I'm glad I'm here. I couldn't wait. I said I couldn't wait to go to church. Amen. And everybody's at, at work telling me, Oh no, you can't gather tonight. Oh, oh yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can, and we want to gather. Okay? We don't have to, we want to. This is where we get our strength. Everybody's falling apart out there. God will hold us together, amen, and his people. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, right? We're reading the daily walk. He sustains his children. Even when they're disobedient, he still takes care of them. We might have to go through some divine discipline, but guess what? It's good for us because we need it. So God is good, amen? His ways are higher than our ways. See, he sees the beginning to the end. We see the problem. He already knows what's going to happen to this. We're going to come out refined and even better with more faith as he takes us through this adversity. Amen? Amen. And just hang in there. We're going to be all right. Now, we got a, a, a good scripture on the board there, Psalm 91. Let's go there. Let's, uh, Brother Wayne put that up tonight. And we're going we're gonna to go there. This is an awesome, especially in the time we're in, to read. But we're going to back up to verse 9 to keep the context of that passage. Because there's a, there's a little thing attached to that. Yeah. I should have started with verse 9. That's okay. <laughs> no worry. No worry. I got your back. You always go back. I always go back. That's right. Well, we have to make sure we keep the context of what yeah. we're reading. Because anybody can pluck scriptures out of here and make them sound the way they want. But we, there's an if attached to what he's going to be saying. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Because it says no evil will conquer you in verse 10, but there's an attachment to that before that. Because yeah. <coughs> if you don't make him your most high, there's no guarantee that it won't. Amen. <laughs> All right, look at verse 9. If you make the Lord your refuge, it says... If you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you and no plague will come near your home. You see it? There's an if there. If you make the Lord your refuge, though, if you go to Him, and if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you and no plague will come near your home. Then it says, for He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. You see it? They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. As a matter of fact, the devil used that against Jesus. Listen, if you, if you really trust in the Lord, no harm will come to you. But God knows your heart. And if you're trusting him or not, are you trusting the world? 
Listen, I, I don't trust the world. I trust God. Even if I do get this bug, he's going to get me out of the bug, whatever it is. It's going to come and it's going to go. Yep. Amen? Just like, everything else. like everything else. It's only for a season. But if you see what it's doing, it's, it's, it's making us all like being controlled by something. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't gather. Don't go to restaurants. It's all part of It's starting to happen. Yep. We're starting to get controlled. Pretty, you, you never know someday when it's going to become a law that you can't gather. We can get arrested for gathering. And it's going to come. The Bible says it will come. This is just like a, you know, we shouldn't fret over these little things. Believe me, it's going to get much worse before it gets better. And it's going to really stretch our faith a lot. A lot of people are going to walk away from this because of it. Let me tell you something. America is not, martyrs ain't in America, that's for sure. There are no martyrs here in America. We're all a bunch of sissies compared to the martyrs in the Bible. They were willing to get their heads cut off and cut in half for Jesus, okay? They weren't running away from some little bug. No, that's where you know if you're, if you're, if you're truly believing what God's saying. If you're trusting in Him or you're getting all in a tizzy over this. Just what the devil wants. Now's the time to shine for Christ. And say, listen, if you make God your shelter, no harm will come to you. Do you believe that today, believer? If you believe that, you'll be able to help other people that don't believe it. And shine. So they'd have that comfort. But if you're falling apart as a Christian, they're going to fall apart. There's no Christ in that. Now's the opportunity to shine bright for him. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm hanging in there with the Lord. He got me this far. He's going to take me the rest of the way. Amen? And His Word is what's sustaining me, not what's going on out there. So if you don't have enough of this up here, the world is going to start infecting you again. And you're going to get all fearful and doubtful. The Word of God is what sustains us. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Now we got that straightened out. All right. We are in the book of Corinthians. And we, I'm just going to say a couple things before we go in there. This is a fascinating letter, okay? To a multi-ethnic church, we see some of the everyday problems the early Christians were dealing with, okay? In Paul's advice, how to handle these problems, we find the deepest principles that shape his thinking about practical Christian living. These enduring principles, so different from the popular trends of Paul's time or ours, provide rich guidance for us as we deal with similar problems today, okay? The first Corinthian tells us how to deal with problems and problems in the church and the way we should handle things. Paul was trying to tell us this is how you handle it. Okay, go to First Corinthians chapter three. We're gonna we, we left off at chapter three, but we're not done with that chapter yet. We ended in chapter three, but I just got a couple things to say. We gotta back up a little to keep the context. As always. You remember at the beginning of that chapter, Paul said something really astounding. He said in verse 1, just, just let me really iterate this for us. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people, he said, or people who have the spirit. I had to talk to you as you belong to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, he said. 
for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. He said, now how does he, how did he know they were controlled by their sinful nature? He's going to tell us why. You are jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? This is what he's trying to tell them. By you being jealous and you fretting over the world and everything, aren't you living just like unbelievers are? That's what he was trying to say. They were saved and going to heaven, but nobody could tell the difference that they were saved because they were still what, arguing in church, quarreling, having disagreements, suing each other in court, doing all kinds of crazy things. Well, let's jump down to verse 16. We're going to go there and go into chapter 4. <coughs> He says something really, really important here. Don't you realize that all of you together, you see it? All of you together, all of you together are the temple of God. There's not just one of us to the temple. All of us together are the temple. You see, that's why it's so important to gather. You see, if, if the world tells us we can't gather, then we can't become the temple. Look what it says. Listen, it says now, let's just this, 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 pay attention now. It's going to take some focus. Don't you realize that all of you together are temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you or among you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. So if somebody's trying to destroy this, God will take care of it. See it? God will take care of anyone who destroys the temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that holy temple. You realize all of us? Of that holy temple? Amen. All of us together, though, yes. not apart from each other. Yes. Apart, uh, uh, Christ is the head of the body. Just imagine body parts not together and you're trying to go out and function. No leg, one arm, half an ear. You can't function properly. The body cannot function properly. That's why we have to gather. All together we're the temple. You see it? And what is happening in Christianity? Division. Oh, I'm just going to stay home. There's too much confusion, too many denominations, too many things. I'm just going to stay home and read my Bible. That's not going to cut it. No, we have to get it right and gather and become the temple. God is building the temple inside the church. Can I get an amen for that? And it says something very cl clearly. It says... Stop deceiving yourselves, verse 18. If you think you're wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. Cleverness. Job 5.13 he's quoting. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. Then he's quoting Psalm 94.11. So don't boast about following a particular human leader, for everything belongs to you. Whether a Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life in debt or the present and the future, everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. You see how it's all connected? That's what he's trying to say here. Now, does he mean like you should become a, like don't learn anything in the world? He doesn't mean that. Okay. I'm just going to reiterate on that. 
Paul was not telling the Corinthians believers to neglect the pursuit of knowledge, okay? He was warning them that if worldly wisdom holds them back, that worldly wisdom holds them back from God, okay? It is not wisdom at all. God's way of thinking is far above ours. He knows all the futile thoughts of the wise. The Corinthians were boasting about the wisdom of their leaders and teachers, this is what they were doing. Their pride made them value the presentation of the message more than the message. Okay? We are not to put our trust in anyone but God. Amen? They were putting their faith in the person that was given the message instead of the message in itself. Oh, he's smart. He's a theologian. He's got to... No. It's God, not them. It's the Word of God. It's not no particular preacher that holds us together and sustains us. Amen? And they were all saying, I follow him, I follow him. Oh, he's smarter than him. No, the Bible is the Bible. It ain't nothing to do with me. It's the Word of God that gives us all the wisdom and knowledge. I'm just presenting it to you. And he uses guys like me to present it. Imagine. And he uses normal people to present it, not scholars. Read the Bible. He used fig pickers, sheep herders, prostitutes, tax collectors, fishermen to get this message out there. And he wants to use you to get it out there because we know that we're nothing without him. Amen? Amen? Look, I can't even come up here without Jesus. I don't have this kind of capability. I'm empowered by God. It's a gift. But let me tell you something. God gives people to use it. But let me tell you something. He doesn't take away my free will. If I choose to not use the gift, he'll give it to someone else. It doesn't work that way. I still have to follow him and be obedient to him for, me to, for him to keep wanting to use me. It's a challenge for a believer. Amen? How many of us want God to use us? All right, so we come here to learn about God. Do you know what God wants you to do in your life? Are you still floating around? Learning, oh, it's all about me and what I need to know. Now, if you're a new believer, you know you got to learn something first. But if you've been believing for quite some time and reading the Bible, you should know that God definitely has a plan for you. And it's up to you to find out what it is. Use me, God, and he will. You want God to use you? Well, at first got to clean out some of the garbage in your life. And then he will use you. Because we're full of it. We're full of what? Worldliness and garbage. And you got to clean it out. And that's why you can't become, you can't get the cop before the horse. You got to be, you got to get rid of that first, be taught, and then you can become of use to him. Amen? Amen. That's what discipleship is all about. All right, let's go to um, chapter four now. Is everybody there? All right, this is where we left off last week. This has been a great study so far in 1 Corinthians. I love the Word of God, because the Word of God goes against every principle of the world. It really does. <laughs> and it's like, I like these principles better. Look at verse 1. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ, who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. The mystery of what? Jesus Christ, our Savior and salvation. Now look what it says. Now a person who was put in charge as a manager. Has anybody had manager, managerial skills in the world? It says any person, look. 
Uh, now, a person who's put in charge of a manager must be faithful. You see it? Not perfect, faithful. God gives you something to do. He just wants you to be faithful to it. He knows you're human and not perfect. He just wants you to be faithful for what he calls you to do. Now look what it says. As for me, Paul's saying, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or any human authority. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read the Old Testament, God told Ezekiel, I'm going to hide in your forehead. They're not going to listen to you, right? But don't worry about it. Just go and do it anyway. And if you don't do it, I'm going to hold you accountable for not telling them. It's the same. God hide in my forehead. People say all kinds. I don't care. I really don't care. It's God. Look, look what it says. It matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment at this point. Look what it says right here. My conscience is clear. This is a big one. I read this. But that doesn't mean, but that doesn't prove that I'm right. Just because my conscience is clear doesn't prove that I'm right. You see it? It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time. Are you judging Christians? No, it says do not. Look what it says. Don't, so don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light. And he will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praises do. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you will pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures... Or if you learn not to go beyond what is written. See, listen, what it, this is why I tell you you don't have to go beyond the Bible. Look what he's saying. Look, then God will give each of you whatever praises do. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures, you see it? Or if you learn not to go beyond what is written. You won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. You see, if you go, if, if everybody just preaches the Bible, nobody will be any better than anybody else. But people go outside the Bible and say, where did you go? Well, I went to Dallas Theological School and I got three degrees. That has nothing to do with Bible. Nothing to do with it. If he reads the Bible to you and preaches, it's no different than me preaching it. They never touched school. That's what he's trying to say. Stay within the word of God and all of us are equal. Amen? Amen. That's what I love about the Bible. It keeps us all on the even plane. Amen? If you want to go to somebody, that's fine. But let me tell you something. I'd rather let God train me how to live. Yeah. He called Amos. He was picking figs. He didn't say, well, you're going to go to college first, then I'm going to use you. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't say that to any of them. Jeremiah was 17 years old when he was a prophet. Now look what it says. And you won't be proud of any one of your leaders. Well, he's smarter than the other one because he's, he's more eloquent. You won't be proud. Look, for what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast is that it was not a gift? You think you already have everything you need. You think you're already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. Look what he's saying. I wish you really were reigning already, for then I would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display. 
like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to the people and angels alike. Listen to what it says. Look at verse 10. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. There's what it is. When you go out in the world and your dedication, if you go tell somebody right now, listen, I'm just trusting the Lord about this, whatever this bug is. They're going to think you're a fool. Say, oh, no, you're going to go get quarantined and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. No, you see it. Look what he's saying. Become a spectacle. A spectacle. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty. Now, this is Paul. Hungry and thirsty. We don't even have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. How many preachers do you know like that? Huh? They got jets and mansions. We work, look at, look what he says in verse 12. We work warily with our own hands to earn a living. I'm like, I'm reading that. I'm saying, you bet, man, I'm, I'm on a look. I work in a body shop painting cars, okay? This is what I do to earn a living. I don't earn a living from you. Amen? We toil and we work hard for Jesus. Amen? Do it for Christ. My rewards are in heaven, not down here. I love it. We work wearily without... We bless those who curse us. We're patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. How do you, how do you act when evil things are said about you? Huh? Think about that. How do you act? Look what it says. We are patient with those who abuse us. Look at it. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we're treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father. Paul came in. He taught him about the word of God and saved them. All false teachers were coming in because Paul couldn't stay there. He planted the church. False teachers came in and tried to ruin his testimony and his credibility. And they were starting to follow them because they were worldly. And they came out of the world of Corinthians. So they were starting to follow that stuff. Now look what he's saying. For even if you had 10,000, for I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus. Just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm not here, I'm still doing this work. I think Lori was just saying that when she did that, when she came up, right? We do the podcast. Other, look, all of us should be doing something even outside of this. You know what I mean? Reading the Bible, studying, fellowshipping with each other, staying connected. I try to shoot out texts to everybody every day. Try to take the time to think of others instead of yourself. Especially in these dark times. We need encouragement right now. Somebody sent me a text that really encouraged me the other, uh, today. It was just like filled me with joy. Because it gets heavy. It gets heavy for me. I'm sure it gets heavy for you. There's nothing wrong with sending a text. Hey, thanks for everything you do. I appreciate you. Thanks for being my brother. Who doesn't need that in this dark world? And not Christians don't connect. 
Why don't they connect when they're outside the church? Well, I don't know why, but let me tell you something. We ought to. We really should. We should really know, be concerned about each other and what we do when we're not here. So we can really represent the ministry properly. Amen? Because you know what it does when we go outside of this together? It holds us accountable. Because now we're all part of a body and we're now we're accountable to each other. We can't just go and do our secret things anymore because now we're fellowshipping with people and we're in the light. When you're in the light, you, you don't have no time for darkness. That's the only thing that extinguishes the darkness, you coming into the light. Amen? And when you call somebody or talk to another brother, it brings us back into the light again. I don't know about you, but it's really dark out there, and I love to be with people that are talking. Look, I really don't want to talk about the world. I want to talk about the Lord, because that's what needs to get in here. The world, I know, I know what's going on out there. How many times do I got to talk about it? I need to talk about what's going on in the Bible so I can keep it in my mind. When I come to church, I want to leave that out there. I don't want to bring that prob problems in here. I don't want to bring the world into the church. We're supposed to bring the church into the world. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. People come in. Listen, we need, we need Jesus in here. And what's going on in our lives with the Lord. And how this Bible is working in our lives. To comfort each other. Amen. We know the pressures of life. This is a reprieve from that. We don't need to drag it in here. That's what you can do after. You want to fellowship with somebody? You, you, you hook up with somebody, you talk them. Look, I'm really down tonight, you know. The world's been heavy on me. You talk to your brother. But while you're in here gathering, we're here to what? Build each other up and encourage each other, right? How about an amen for that? Amen. I don't know about you, but I love everybody in here. And it doesn't matter how I feel. That's right. <laughs> Do I feel like coming to church? Oh, absolutely not. I got flesh. This flesh does not want church. This flesh wants what it, it wants the world. I have to reject it. I have to choose this. And so do you. You have to choose to do this. Oh, that you would choose life. Remember Deuteronomy chapter 30? Oh, that you would choose. I'm giving you a, a choice today to make. Oh, that you would choose life. Now look what it says. Verse 16, I urge you to imitate me. That's why I've sent Timothy, my beloved, faithful child and Lord. He reminds you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you become arrogant. Here it is. Look. Thinking I will not visit you again, but I will come in soon if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. See, somebody that has God's power knows who the phonies are because the power isn't within themselves. The power comes from God, and they can relate. Amen. Believe me, I can smell them a mile away. <laughs> because God didn't raise me that way. He raised me through life. Like a little kid, he's raising me. Like he raised King David. That sheep herder. We don't want all your brothers, those big brothers, prominent brothers. We want him. He has people judged by outside appearance. God said, I look at the heart. Remember Saul, right? We just read in that, right? Saul was a handsome, taller than everybody, prominent looking dude, right? He didn't have a heart for God. David did. And even though he took over, right? He got chased for how many years? Like 10 before he became king. 
But he knew God called him and he still went and he still did it. Look, you're going to get chased by the devil when God calls you. <laughs> so don't give up. Victory is ours in Christ Jesus, it says. Now look what it says. For the kingdom, of, look at verse 20. I want you to take this to the bank with you. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. See it? Living by God's power. What does he mean, living by God's power? Let's see. Okay. Listen, some people talk a lot about faith, but that's all it is, talk. They may know all the right words to say, okay, but their lives don't reflect God's power. Paul says that the kingdom of God is to be lived, not just discussed. Amen? There is a big difference between knowing the right words and living them out. Don't be content to have the right answers about Christ. Let your life show that God's power is really working in you. Amen? God is the source of power. I am empowered by God. I can't empower myself. When I empower myself, I fail. I can't live, you, I cannot live the way God wants me to live by my own power. Because I have a sin nature. My, my power is sin. It's, it's fueled by sin. I can't live by that power. The only way I'm going to be doing this is by God's power. And this is the fight between the flesh and the spirit while we grow. We try to do this in the flesh. All right, I'm going to be good today. I'm going to practice scripture. I'm going to quote it. I'm going to do right. I'm going to do it. And then we fail miserably, but we can't. When we say, no, Lord, I'm submitting to you, Lord. Take my will and my life and guide me. That's the only way we're going to be able to do this. How about an amen for that? But God empowers us to do it. Now he says, what do you choose, Paul said? Should I come with the rod to punish you? Because they were being crazy. Just imagine what they were like. Or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? Let's go to chapter 5. All right, here we go. Is everybody with me so far? <laughs> Good. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. It's a word of God that comforts us. Look what he says in verse 1. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Wow. And he says, you are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. That's church discipline. Mm -hmm. You don't see much of that today. You know why? Because people would get put out and they wouldn't be supporting the church no more. Well, let me tell you something. God will support the church. God will sustain us. We don't, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. They were letting that infection in the church and they weren't doing anything about it and they knew. That's not going to happen here, by the way. Not as long as I'm up here. No way. There's enough sin out there. We don't want sin in here. We, we come here to overcome sin, not to bring sin in. We come here to get rid of it. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And he's going to clean out his church. He said judgments must come and it starts in God's house. 
Now look what it says. You should be remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not with you in person, I'm with you in spirit or in the spirit. And as though I was, if I was there, I have already passed judgment on this man. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. Or in the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Now look what he says you must do. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan, so that his sin nature will be destroyed. Whew. Just imagine handing him over to Satan, or that his body will be destroyed. See, a Greek reads for the destruction of the flesh, and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord. In other words, he's still going to heaven, but his sinful nature had to get destroyed. So what was he going to do? They were going to throw him out, to the de let the devil have his way with him, and hopefully he would repent and make his way back. Amen? Now most people, if they were doing something like that, probably wouldn't come to church. Right? Think about it. But there are some that would just overlook that and still want to come. And that's where the discipline comes in. Now look what it says. Oh, this is, this is, you know, this is real stuff. Now look what it says in verse 6. You're boasting about this. They were actually bragging about it. You know why, though? You have to understand they were in Corinth. And that stuff was happening just like it does in the world. All kinds of adultery and incest and all kinds of stuff goes on out there. And nobody does anything about it. So you had to understand, they were bringing that into the church. They were bringing the world's ways into the church. And said, no, 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 you can't glorify that here. You're boasting about, don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. You see, that's what we really are in Christ. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. Now look what he says. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin, or, or are greedy, or cheat people or worship idols. You'd have to leave the whole world to avoid people like that, which is true, right? Yeah. How are you not going to be able to associate with anybody? You'd have to leave. Yeah. You'd have to stay in here all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I wish I did have one. I wish I could just stay here in the sanctuary. Remember that uh, one thing that Paul wanted? To stay in with the Lord all the days of his life in his sanctuary, just worshiping him. Now look what it says. But he wasn't saying to people like, look, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. Who claims to be a believer, okay, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Now he's telling them, don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. You see it? God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. And that is Deuteronomy 17.7. Now, those are some hard scriptures to quote, right? But let me tell you something. It's the Bible. 
It's the word of God. If somebody's doing something evil like that, do you want them around you so they can infect your kids and everybody else? No. We don't want people like that in here. That's why he says you got to put them out. And that's why you say, oh, I feel bad. Well, yeah, you can feel bad and pray for them, but you don't want them to infect someone else. So don't worry about it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the hard stuff to you. God called me to do it. So I'm going to do it. How about an amen for that? Because we need it. So it'll keep you even thinking of wanting to do anything like that in here. Correct? Believe me, God called me to watch over everybody. My wife will tell you, I lay my life down for anybody in here. Let me tell you, if somebody's going to infect you that's in this church, I'm going to put them out faster than you can blink. Oh. You're welcome. So don't worry. I got your back. And don't worry. I might not say much, but I'm watching. And I listen. And I hear. Okay, now look what it says in verse 1 of uh, 1 Corinthians 6. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking on taking it to other believers? Wow. Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? You see what Paul's saying right there? Someday that us believers are going to judge the world. When God creates the new heaven and the new earth, we're going to be judges in this world. Do you see what he's saying? Don't look, can't you decide even these little these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? We're gonna be above the angels above us right now, right? We're gonna be above the angels when we get glorified, resurrected bodies. We're gonna be judging angels. You see it? You should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. That's what he's saying. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. See? Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. But you have to understand, just like Corinthians, they were like in New York City, and they were coming new into the church, and they were doing the same things they did on the outside in the church. They were suing each other for slipping on cheeseburgers. If they slipped on the car, they were suing each other in church. Because that's what they were, they weren't, their minds weren't renewed yet. You have to understand what they were going through. But you're definitely coming here and your mind's getting renewed. And you know we don't do that here. Look at it. Now, look, this is what I hit. You want maturity? Here's what it says. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Here's maturity. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Whew, how about that? Accept the injustice and leave it at that. Why not you let yourself be cheated? Here's everybody. I have rights as a Christian. Now don't let anybody step over me. I says, why not let yourself be cheated? That's maturity. Look what he says. Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. I'll definitely agree to that. I definitely was like that at one point in my life. You see what it says? But you were cleansed. See it? You were cleansed when you were made holy, when you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see what he's trying to say? Your sins have all been forgiven. You don't have to live that way anymore. Remember what Paul says? You forgot that your sins have been cleaned. You're not like that anymore. You don't have that anymore. You don't have to live that way anymore. Your sins have been taken. You forgot that your sins have been dealt with. So you're still living in them. How about an amen for that? Amen. Avoiding sexual sin. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. See it? And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So that means I can become a slave as a believer to something? Oh, yeah. Don't think you can't get addicted to something as a believer. You could definitely be enslaved by the world still. It's a choice. I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. Man, amen. Yeah. <laughs> have to eat no more. have to worry about stomach ache and digestion problems no more. <laughs> that sounds good, ain't it? <laughs> but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power. What does he mean by the dead? By this, from the spiritual dead. That's what he's saying. Just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? This is the mystery. Each body is part of Christ. Each one in here. You have a body part for Christ. See it? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ... And join it with a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say, the two are united to one. That's Genesis 2.24. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You see it? When you're joined to Jesus, that's what we're called to be joined to. One body? We're joined to each other. You see it? <laughs> For the scriptures say, two are united into one, but the person who's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Look what it says in verse 18. Grind your teeth and hold out from it. It says run from it. Run from sexual sin. And why is he telling us to run from it? Why? Because this is a clear warning. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Okay? It not only affects your body, but it affects God's body. You see it? As this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a price. So you must honor God with your 
your body. That's faithfulness to God. Listen, I'm married to Jesus. I don't need a prostitute. Plus, I'm married to Laurie, too, so I'm... <laughs> but no, it tells us to run. Why does it tell us to run from it? Because it's a na- we, we run to it. It's something that's ingrained in us to do that. So we have to what? Run from it. Because it's so powerful. You know it as well as I do. Sexual sin is very powerful. Sexuality in, in the church is very powerful. It's one of the major problems in the church. Nobody likes to talk about that part. Pornography and all that stuff that goes on that infects believers. But let me tell you something. It's powerful and it has to be dealt with so we can overcome it. Amen? All right, we're going to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that. God is good. We'll pick up with chapter 7 when we get together again. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to close.